2: Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services.
3: NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. So the Ravens are kind of sort of looking like a contender. Josh Allen, how's that elbow doing? There's a lot to talk about today. And, oh, yeah, uh, Steve Weitz, there's the presser we had last night in Indianapolis. How are you,
4: by the way? I'm doing well. Yeah, that that went about as well as I think a lot of us uh, expected it to as well.
3: Steve, fresh off the power ranking set, we have new power rankings for you as well. All coming up on this show, NFL Now, NFL Network, from our newsroom in Los Angeles. My name is Andrew Siciliano. Let's get to... The Josh Allen injury first. This is Bryce Huff coming off the edge, final possession, fourth quarter. You see Allen grab at his elbow. He admitted afterwards it was a bit sore. Big game here for the Vikings, or rather for the Bills. They get the Vikings coming up at 1 o'clock Eastern time in Buffalo. We have reported, hi guys, Tom Pelissero, Mike Garofolo, that um, the elbow uh, might, might limit Allen in practice this week. Garofolo, what do we know?
5: Uh, we know that my pin is crooked. Where is it? Let's get it straight. NFL, But you're wearing it, man. There you go. That's half the battle. Uh, Josh Allen is, uh, yeah, likely to be limited. I mean, listen, there's multiple doctors giving multiple opinions on this one. Sean McDermott sort of indicated at his press conference on Monday that we would know a little bit more today as we got through the day uh, as they continue to gather those uh, medical opinions on Josh Allen. Look, you start getting into certain ligaments. You talk UCL. Everybody hears UCL when it comes to baseball. It doesn't mean uh, that Josh Allen's getting Tommy John surgery. That's not usually a thing for NFL quarterbacks, so relax on that one. It is an elbow sprain. How severe is the sprain? Can he play through it? Uh, We saw the next pass after he got hit kind of dove down a little bit, but then he threw that last one down. The field looked pretty good right there. So, uh, yeah, there's hope in Buffalo that Josh Allen will be able to practice and play his way through this injury, Tom. Uh, But we wait for the final diagnosis.
6: That's right, Mike. And the diagnosis is key here because, as you mentioned, this is not strictly a because you have an elbow injury, you're being shut down, you're ultimately going to have surgery. We've seen other quarterbacks, including Matthew Stafford, play through an elbow injury. There's different types of treatments. There's different things you can do to manage it. But it all depends on exactly what Josh Allen is dealing with here, which is why he gets those additional opinions. So Ian Rappaport, our colleague, mentioned it for the first time yesterday that likely limited in practice this week, but certainly early optimism about Josh Allen's status for this week against the Vikings this is also the Bills most important player to say the least they'll absolutely exercise caution here so this will be one one to monitor all the way up till the weekend
3: in what is quite arguably the best game of the week as well the Bills and the Vikings Minnesota with only one loss if Josh Allen can't go and we're not saying that's the case Case Keenum would be the next man up against his former team just saying Something to keep an eye on. All right, guys, stay right there. Let's get to the Colts press conference from last night. This went down during the first quarter of the Ravens win over the Saints in New Orleans. We'll show you that highlight a little bit later. Jeff Saturday, congratulations, goes from TV analyst to head coach with not a lot of stops in between. He's been a high school coach. That's it. The presser was an all-timer.
7: You know, in and Chris and I and talking, we saw things collapse. And I've seen things you know, go from bad to worse. And, 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 and I thought it was time and it was necessary to make the change. I am very excited uh, to, to have, uh, as Chris is, to have Jeff um, here and, and um, next to me as the interim head coach. Um, just uh, couldn't be more thrilled about having him here. And yes, he is fully experienced enough Yes, he is fully capable. He's extremely smart. He's ex- extremely competitive. He understands the game. If you think I was surprised, I'm going to get asked. I haven't been a coach. You know, I, I wouldn't. Uh, that that that'd be it'd be silly
1: right so we knew I knew going in what the expectation was going to be the questions that were going to be asked and I uh, feel fully capable excited about the opportunity I make mean, games to you know listen here's a great part about my career I came in nobody expected anything I'm here nobody expects anything if it goes well hopefully it'll go extremely well but I have no uh, preconceived notion that I'm going to be some spectacular anything I know I got to work hard and uh, I'm you know I'm auditioning not only for the this one but for for 31 others just like everybody else in this game and and make no mistake man the job is win
7: now I'm glad he doesn't have any NFL experience I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league that's because it's tough for all our coaches they're afraid they go to analytics and it gets difficult I mean he doesn't have all that he doesn't have that that fear, and there was no other candidate. We were fortunate that he was available, um, and he has tons of experience. He knows this game inside and out, um, with relationships with coaches and players. No, there was it wasn't offered to anyone else, and um, it, you know I I don't know I, I don't know Chris and I what we would have done if anything if if he wasn't available and willing, um, so that. Um, that's kind of how it came together. Jim
3: Mercer says he was the only man for the job. London Fletcher, one of our colleagues here in the past, just tweeted this. Here's my resume to all NFL teams looking for a head coach. 16-year vet, 256 consecutive games, never missed a game, all pro, Hall of Fame nominee, ring of fame with the commanders, radio analyst, volunteer, middle school defensive coordinator at Charlotte Latin High School. One of my favorite phrases, I would say, crutches on this show is, there's a lot to unpack. Well, there's a lot to unpack from that press conference last night, guys. And I want to start off by saying, at times, I felt uncomfortable for Jeff Saturday. Because Jim Irsay, the owner, is being grilled. Chris why? Ballard, the GM, is being grilled. I'll tell you why. Because this guy just got a big job, and no one's even asking him a question. He's he didn't sitting, have to take didn't it. have to take <laughs> it. Wait, wait. He's sitting there watching these guys get grilled, trying to defend the hire. That said... London Fletcher has a heck of a point, okay? And there are other coaches on that staff that have been head coaches, John Fox, Gus Bradley, uh, college head coaches, Scotty Montgomery, CFL head coaches, Scott Milanovic, that could have gotten that job. Let's start with the staff, Tom. Who's calling plays? Do we know yet?
6: Andrew, what I can tell you is that Jeff Saturday has spent this morning meeting with members of the offensive coaching staff trying to formulate a plan. The other coaches have been going through their normal game planning process, as normal as it can be when your play caller and your offensive coordinator have been fired in the past eight days here. And just trying to get ready for a game coming up this weekend that is still meaningful for a Colts team that's very much alive in the postseason picture. I would point to a few things in watching that press conference last night. Let's start with the fact that Jim Irsay saying that Jeff Saturday was the only man for the job is sort of the reason that the Rooney Rule exists. It just does not apply to interim head coaches. They will have to run a search after the season. But Ursay also said this is for eight games, hopefully more. In other words, he's going into this with a guy who has never coached above the high school level and admittedly, according to Jeff Saturday, was shocked that he got the call in the past 24 hours Preyed on it, decided he was being called for a reason to Indianapolis. Jim Ursay is hoping this person is going to figure out in the next couple of months how to be a head coach and then be given that job moving forward here. Having said that, this is also an indication of something the people who know Jim Ursay know very well, which is he is largely a hands off owner. He does not get involved in the nitty gritty of personnel and football decisions up until the point that he sees things going south. And you can certainly point back to the end of last season with the way that things played out. Carson Wentz, who was unvaccinated, getting COVID, then playing poorly in the last two games of the season. Ursay released that video outside an airplane. He was obviously very unhappy. They move on from Wentz. Frank Reich would advocated for Carson Wentz to come in. He ends up allowing Frank Reich to get another quarterback, which ends up being Matt Ryan. Within the past few weeks, Matt Ryan benched. Their offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, fired, Frank Reich fired, and Jeff Saturday hired. All those things have Jim Ursay's fingerprints all over it, and now we'll see whether the Ursay plan works for the Colts here for the rest of 2022 and potentially beyond. Well,
4: I want to start off by saying this. I, I know Jeff Saturday personally. I, I love the dude. So what I'm about to say is nothing for Jeff Saturday because it, it is this process here. Uh, My phone blew up, of course, from a lot of uh, black head coaches, former players, agents, uh, things like this, by saying, what do black coaches always hear? Uh, They don't have enough credentials. They haven't called plays. They haven't done this when they get denied opportunities. So this one right here was as triggering as it gets in terms of the process as them going outside and hiring Jeff Saturday after getting rid of a black offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, who didn't call plays but had the opportunity. He's the first one who's scapegoated, right? Then you get rid of Frank Reich, who we knew he was on the green mile anyway. But then they make a move like this when you have people on staff. Like some of the calls I got from you know, Brett said, what about the guys on staff? Can you imagine being a player in that locker room or a scout in that building knowing that they're going with a guy who's got a personal relationship with the owner but has no credentials, no necessarily a pedigree in terms of leading guys in a locker room. Now he's coming in midseason. Can you imagine how uncomfortable it is? So it just came back to the saying over and over again, don't ever say it can't get worse because it possibly can with this type of situation. And, and listen. Listen.
3: Go ahead, Mike. Go ahead.
4: Well, I was just going to say, as reporters, we're supposed
5: to pass on you know, what we're gathering. What I'm gathering is a bunch of words that uh, I would use myself, which is uh, Bush League, brutal, fraud, That was impressive. That's a sarcastic text. That was impressive. Lacking enough words in my vocabulary to effectively sum this train wreck up. These are the reactions around the NFL right now from other folks. Uh, I I would just say this, and I'll preface this by saying the Texans wanted to hire Josh McCown a couple of years ago, or at least Jack Easterby did. I actually made the point that, yeah, that that was kind of a little crazy, but not as crazy as you think. And boy, did I take heat on Twitter for that one. I still stand by that one, by the way. Having said that, me as that guy, this is Looney Tunes right here because you're asking Jeff Saturday to come in in the middle of the season, join a coaching staff that he doesn't really know, and guys that are going to be upset that they were passed over when they have the resume to get this done. He's got no experienced offensive play caller. He's got no quarterback. Like, this would have been different if... You, if it happened when uh, Chuck Pagano had gotten sick, let's say, and, and Bruce Arians had almost 40 years of experience. By the way, that's important. Almost 40 years of experience in coaching and been a head coach in college before. And you had Andrew Luck at quarterback. You don't have that right now. I mean, Jeff Saturday's being asked to come in here and, and build this thing from the ground up with stuff that's already laid right now that you're going to have to redo for the long haul. I mean, this is just – and I mentioned the, the Arians thing because Ursay tried to compare this to when he hired Arians. Almost four decades of coaching experience. He was ready. Jeff Saturday's just not.
3: And Ursae was adamant, if not defiant, yesterday saying, you know, why – he was asked, why should this be trusted? Why should your decision here be trusted? And he said, well, look, I I hired a Hall of Fame GM. I hired a Hall of Fame coach. I drafted a Hall of Fame quarterback. Suggested maybe two if, if obviously, Andrew Luck did not um, retire early, quite young, and that I don't get these decisions wrong. And said that the perception problem is from the media – he had a broadcast journalism degree, he pointed out, and so he knows, therefore, how it works.
4: Okay. Just so, real, real quick, yeah. if, you're, if you're a potential future head coaching candidate, how attractive does this situation look to you now? I mean, that, that's all I have to say. After seeing what just happened here, would you really want to cast your name into that lot after the season?
3: Coming up next, the Seahawks also look good. Can Geno Smith keep it going on the road in Germany? We say Auf next.
7: Okay, boys, here we go. Let's go to work. work.
9: Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. You can't knock this kid off his feet. Ken Walker scores his second touchdown. It's going to be on us. It's a bubble, bubble, 3 by the Buccaneers. you know, going to throw again. Got a man in the corner. Touchdown Seahawks. Negotiates <laughs> the blitz down the middle. Touchdown D.K. Metcalf. Had a the job, young man. Tyler Lockett was not going to let this one get away. That's the dagger, my friend. Bucs win. Fire the
3: Now they go to Germany. Football made in Germany. Let's go! Let's go to Munich. Am I the only one that remembers soccer made in Germany back in the 80s on PBS? Am I aging myself? Yeah. No, it was a Bundesliga show that you like it was on every weekend. No? Yeah, I didn't watch You don't PBS. remember this?
4: I didn't watch PBS, Andrew. Okay. But props to you for being so eclectic. Okay, it was
3: soccer. Seahawks, Buccaneers, Football made in Germany. Here's Brady with Jim Gray last
9: night. It's a big challenge because you know to fly. Across the ocean like that, new time zone to 9.30 Eastern kickoff. It'll have its challenges. The weather's going to be a little cool, but we're playing in a very, very cool arena uh, where Baron Munich plays, you know, kind of the country's top soccer team. And uh, it looks amazing in pictures. And look, I mean, the chance to go across to another country, play a sport that I love. You know, I had heard there's 3 million ticket requests for 67,000 seats. So the place is going to be rocking. And if it's anything like what I see, those German Bundesliga games, I mean, this is going to be one of the epic games that we've ever played in. So I'm super excited.
3: It's going to be pretty, pretty cool. Tickets are allegedly going for like 2,000 euros. The city is buzzing. That's nighttime right now in Munich. Earlier today, Kyle Brandt ran around at Lederhausen and Hosen and scared the locals. It was kind of funny on Good Morning Football. Sarah Walsh is also there.
11: Tom Brady has been flawless in international games. And on Sunday here in Munich, he looks to go 4-0 and overseas. Now, it hasn't been such smooth sailing for his offense so far this season. And I talked to his wide receiver, Chris Godwin, and I asked him to describe what these last couple of weeks have been like for the Buccaneers. Godwin told me it's been strange to say the least. He said it has been frustrating because they really have not been able to pinpoint exactly why it is that this offense has sputtered. He said it's been miscues, miscommunications, dropped balls, all happening at different times out on the field. Godwin told me for himself personally, coming back from that ACL tear has been challenging. Now, he came back earlier than anybody had expected, but he said the physicality he uses, his ability to make certain cuts – has been hard. He does feel though that he is on the cusp of returning to the Chris Godwin we are used to seeing. He is still looking for his very first touchdown catch of this season. And he also told me that he believes that this offense is closer than what anybody thinks. He goes, I know what you're thinking because you're looking at the product on the field, but the guys inside feel like we are really close to getting where we need to be. I asked Godwin what he's looking most forward to eating over here. He said schnitzel. And he said, I don't even know what that means. He also told me he eats gluten and dairy free. So Chris, good luck over here.
3: Yeah, good luck with that. Seahawks-Bucketeers, it's live on NFL Network, 9.30 Eastern. That's in the morning on Sunday, also live on NFL+. Plus. Steve Weich with me, Brian Baldinger with me. Weich was at the Rams-Bucks game, Bucks-Rams game, we'll call it that, this past Sunday. For the record, Soccer Made in Germany was a PBS show uh, that ran from 76 to 88 with uh, some of the best highlights of German Bundesliga games. You don't remember that, Baldy? No, no, I
12: remember. Uh, and I also you. am a big fan of schnitzel. So, all of it. <laughs> yeah, all of it. Yeah. Okay.
3: <laughs> um, Steve, uh, that Vita Vea defense that uh, tormented Matthew Stafford yeah. on Sunday. How does Geno Smith and the Seahawks, how does that match up on Sunday?
4: That's good. I'm not going to make a Dirk Nowitzki pull or anything like that. I'm no. going to keep it football. But it's, look, Baldy, and, and you saw this. The Buccaneers defense played like we're used to seeing them play, right? Vita Vea was by far the best player in that Rams game, and that defensive front overall was absolutely stout, right? You get Akeem Hicks back. They played like they were used to seeing them play. The inside linebackers as well. Devin White's been taking a lot of heat. He was fantastic, along with Levante David. That, was, that led to a lot of complementary football. So if they can continue that while this offense still figures this out against the Seahawks, they can have a shot here. I mean, they get pressure on Geno and they're able to stop the run, and Kenneth Walker, like they were able to do against the Rams, even you know, if everyone stops the Rams against the run, but if they were able to play like they did, just the way the gaps sound and the way they, were, they held their integrity, they've got a really good shot here. And, and Baldy, I know you love watching Vita Via do his thing last week.
12: Well, it's straight Polynesian power. I there mean, you go. You know, it's no, no one man can block him. So we, we recognize that. So Seattle, though, they've got a counter to it, Steve. Like they, Nobody has a better trio of tight ends than the Seattle Seahawks and they play a lot you know Noah Fant had a huge game last week Will Disley along with Cody, Par- uh, Cody Par- Parkinson like these three guys in concert are excellent there's Disley with the touchdown right there but like you watch these guys in 13 personnel whether they're in two tight ends Kenneth Walker is running behind these tight ends they're both excellent blockers they're all three you know excellent receivers and they're good after the catch so I just think that this is a formula that Seattle has used to protect Geno Smith to get play action passes down the field. And a big part of why Kenneth Walker has run for seven touchdowns in the last five games and why Seattle is 4-0 in those games right now. So this is a, a big formula that the Tampa Bay has to get prepared for because I don't think they've seen a trio of tight ends quite like Seattle's. And it's something that they've got to, you know, really work on this week.
3: 9 30 a.m. Eastern Time coming up on Sunday. NFL Network right here. The Seahawks and the Bucks also on NFL Plus. Those Bucks, by the way, lead the NFC South, but they are tied in the win-loss record here at four and five with the team we're going to see on Thursday night.
4: And the Falcons win it 37 to
3: 34. So that was only nine days ago. When D.J. Moore ripped off his helmet, Eddie Piniero missed a couple of kicks and eventually the Falcons won the game. Just imagine if the Panthers had won that game, if D.J. Moore maybe hadn't ripped his helmet off, then the Panthers would have been in first last Monday on division record. It's strange but true. P.J. Walker is still going to be the quarterback when these teams meet for the second time in three weeks steve wilks made that decision yesterday ahead of the panthers and the falcons coming up in two days
10: we all have bad games um pj wasn't the only one so um we got to play on thursday i can bench everybody if we go off bad games you know so um we're gonna rally behind pj and um you know, definitely give him the things that he needs from a game plan standpoint that he can go out and execute.
3: Cam Wolf with us now trying to figure out the Panthers quarterback situation with Sam Darnold coming back off IR. Baker Mayfield played well this past week in the second half. Cam, what do we make of all this?
10: Yeah, Andrew, the bottom line is the Panthers 22, 23 starting quarterback isn't on this roster. We've seen that from the moves they've made and the rest of this season, notably Thursday's game against the Falcons. will be seeing who is worth building around. And you mentioned Baker Mayfield. Well, Carolina brought him in hoping he could potentially be the answer, but through five games, he had the worst QBR among quarterbacks who started the most games for their teams. And so starting P.J. Walker tells to me what the numbers say. that they don't need to see more of Baker to make their offseason decisions. And P.J. Walker brings what Baker and Sam Darnold haven't, which is excitement to this offense. We saw two weeks ago in that game, maybe the most exciting finish of the season, the Hail Mary to DJ Moore. Well, PJ Walker has the arm strength to bring you a chance in any given game. Um, but the reality is the Panthers are very much looking for their franchise quarterback. We know that because Panthers GM Scott Fitterer said a few weeks ago, hey, we're not looking to sell our core players like DJ Moore, Brian Burns, and Derek Brown. We believe we can build around them and just possibly Top in that franchise quarterback. And so it may be this offseason when they're drafting potentially in a top five when they can get that quarterback. But right now they're hoping to find out about their team starting Thursday. And speaking about the Falcons, that's another team that could be in the mix next offseason for a quarterback, but right now they're most importantly in the mix for that NFC South title with the Bucks tied for them, uh, division lead, as you mentioned. And their really core of this team has been their three-headed rushing attack, Cordell Patterson, Tyler Algeri, and Caleb Huntley. And a lot of fancy football owners have been frustrated with Atlanta, not using Kyle Pitts, not using Drake London. Arthur Smith does not care. He's going to build this team in this mode. They run the second most runs per game of any team, and they're going to run a ball a lot in Carolina this past week, this, this Thursday against a team that's in the bottom five in rushing defense. And so look for this team to continue to be a smash mouth downhill rushing team as they go down the stretch and hope to knock off the Bucks and somehow be a surprise division winner. We'll see.
3: Coming up next, Steve's been working on the power rankings today. Well, he didn't make them. No. Hans has made them. Yes. But we have them. And they might surprise you. Coming up next. They might not.
13: This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class.
10: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts.
9: It be That's my day, bro. Bro.
0: <laughs> Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula 1 Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast Deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G Advanced Network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com.
10: Let's go now. Keep the focus. Me and my boys make major moves. Still the same ones that I came with. I've been a payment. Told you we nothing to play with. Guess something's unchangeable. Purse. And it goes in for the touchdown. Right on the money with his throw. This is just outstanding football. All these years, blood, sweat, and tears. But I'm still here. Nothing can stop me. Run it up.
3: Not only does Dan Hansis do the power rankings here, that's his playlist as well, playing you into the Eagles now at number one, according to Dan's new rankings on NFL.com. It is my favorite part of Tuesday. I mean, other than Baldy, other than Steve Weiss, and other than everything else we do on this show, that is when Dan sits here. And we go through the new power rankings. Good to see you, Dan. So I'm behind all those in the power rankings. No, combos, I, 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 mean. what I started to say you're my favorite, and then I thought to myself, I don't want Steve or Baldy or anyone to think that I was slighting them. All so right. I'm going Good to say start. I love for all us segments of this show equally, all okay. ten of them. Uh, right. So the Eagles are number one, Dan. They're the only remaining undefeated team of the NFL. They've been that way for like a month. Congratulations. You finally put them at number one. Man. Yeah, you know, and
1: I don't regret anything. It is what it is. The Bills, to me, were the best team in the league uh, until Sunday when they got humbled by a certain team out of northern New York, uh, northern New Jersey, I should say. So it is what it is. And the Eagles, and another way for a power rankings guy, it's great because you have a locked and loaded team. You slide them into number one, and they deserve it, obviously. They haven't lost yet. Were they overwhelmingly um, exciting on Thursday night against the Texans? No, but they got the win, and when you put it
3: in concert with the Bills lost, an easy move up. chart. All right. So the Bills go down to two. Then you get the Chiefs and the Cowboys at three and four. And then you have the Ravens up one to number five. They're ahead of the one- lost Vikings at 7. I know Baltimore looked good last night. Defense running game like the old school Ravens in six and they're 6-3, but the 5th best team in football ahead of the Vikings.
1: Yeah, and that's now that the Eagles fans have been satiated. It's Vikings fans that are upset with me on Twitter. Uh, they say, we're 7-1. and one. Why aren't we number 2 or whatever they expect? Probably number 1 I guess. Uh, but I just think the Ravens, I understand there's some issues in the passing game right now and that's understandable with no Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman out for the year. But they're better at everything else than uh, the Vikings in my opinion. They have excellent defense, uh, great battle-tested coaching, a running game and then a quarterback in Lamar Jackson who is just special. And the and that's where it gets a little tricky obviously because the Vikings, what have they done wrong besides get spanked by the Eagle, Eagles way back when I guess it's still that you watch them every week and you, you respect that they win these close games. But you also want to see that big performance that announces, hey, we are on, the, we are on par with these top What teams. if they beat the Bills this week with Josh Allen? Is Josh Allen's elbow...
3: Oh, healthy is he throwing like check down passes
1: all excuses. game. I think I'm annoyed because I want the Vikings to ball out and destroy the Bills and show that they are a true Super Bowl contender, and now they might get a compromised Josh Allen, but at the same time, maybe Allen's healthy. We hope he is, and that will be a great game. It's a great test on paper
3: right now. Sounds like a Jets fan here. Speaking I'll of which, it. I'm kidding. I'm messing with you. Speaking of which, you have the Jets at number nine. They're up from 14 to nine after listening to the first 30 minutes of the Around the NFL podcast yesterday, which included an appearance by your father, big Jets fans as well. I'm shocked you don't have them at number one.
1: (laughs) See, well, that shows that I'm a man of integrity, as you know. Uh, It is um, a weird feeling and a surreal feeling for the Jets and their fan base right now because it was everything seemed to be crashing down to earth after the Patriots lost a week earlier. But that was such a great team effort. And that defense, and we talked about it with Steve Weiss today on the Power Rankings podcast, that defense is for real. They match up really well with Buffalo. Hell, they match up really well with everyone because they can get pressure and get home up front without blitzing. And you have in DJ Reed and uh, Sauce Gardner a dynamic one-two punch at. I'm not saying it's Rivas and Cromartie, but you have to go back to those teams Uh, with Rex to find a back end that was as strong as this. Uh, I don't know what Zach Wilson's future is this season and whether he'll be the dude, but his defense is going to
3: keep him in games all year long. All right, well, the dude abided this past Sunday, and the Jets won. They beat the Bills. Now, beyond that, you get the Hawks, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Giants, the Patriots. That's the top 14, kind of the playoff line. And it seems like, and this was kind of groupthink on our 6 a.m. call this morning, that beyond, say, like 16, 17, you kind of just threw them all against the wall because you have the Raiders... Ahead of the Jaguars, who they just lost to in Jacksonville this past Sunday. Is I'm not saying that that, that speaks to your lack of effort. Does oh, that speak? There. Does that speak to the parody? Or the or the middle class here? Like it's,
1: no, it's the effort is there, but the execution is flowing.
3: Oh, I think, I, I think that's
1: what it probably is. No, it is all these teams are so close, and I guess there's still just a little part of me that thinks the Raiders aren't this. Man, I mean, they've lost. Now they've blown three 17-point leads. But you got to get a 17-point lead to blow a 17-point lead. So <laughs> Boy, while I'm, glass half full. While I'm out on the silver and black, obviously, I see they're plummeting uh, down the rankings the last couple of weeks. I also have to say that the Jaguars aren't exactly a dynasty in the making right now. These are all teams that are in the murky. They're the soft underbelly of the NFL right now. So, yes, it is a bit of a coin
3: flip at a certain I point. I, I, I will say this. Spinning the Jaguars positively Heading into last week's game, their offense—and this includes 24 first downs via penalty as well—had the most first downs in football. They're making un- and I wrote at about this at two and six before they won. The Undeniable game
1: progress three. under Doug Peterson. You want some more consistency from Trevor Lawrence, obviously, but you definitely had a step up in that direction as well. We'd all like to see the Jaguars, you know, clean things up and pick outside the top 10 in April's draft. Let's
3: hope for that. Houston would pick first right now. He's a man of any podcast here. Dan Hansus, the Power Rankings podcast, and the Around the NFL podcast. Too many? That's for management, not for me. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> you were probably watching a game last night while a lot of people in Indianapolis were watching the Jeff Saturday introductory press conference. If you missed it, here are some of the highlights.
7: If anyone wants to kind of diminish anything that that coach did, you'd be wrong because your opinion really doesn't matter. What matters is, is the facts. There is no problem of perception, except some of you guys make a problem of perception, but you need hits, so you gotta do it. I understand, I do the same thing. I was a broadcast journalism major. The game is not different. We don't build rockets to go to Mars. We're not nuclear scientists. That is none of our jobs here. You operate like the CIA. It's very analytical, it's very unemotional, it's very, very methodical. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team because I've been around for 52 years. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. You want to bet against this guy? Put your money down, people. (laughs) Love to see it, love to see it. All right,
3: we wanted to play some of that because we didn't have a chance to play the 42-minute presser in its entirety. Dan Hansus, I joked with your buddy Mark Sessler earlier, is there going to be an emergency around the NFL pod after that presser? Your two cents? Yeah, just about to go record that. I don't know how to make sausage either. I do prefer uh,
1: spicy over sweet, but I like all kinds of sausages. I just want to say this. I don't agree necessarily with the direction that the culture going right now, but... The horse is out of the barn on the 2022 NFL season. Let's get weird. That was weird last night. Let's keep it going. I love it.
4: Look, I know Jim Ursay is trying to support Jeff Saturday and make his decisions, you know, and, and kind of pound his chest about knowing how to, you know, win football games. If all that were true, they wouldn't be there where they are right now. Okay, so if all the decisions he made were, were great, they wouldn't be firing a coach and making a decision like this right now. But all props to Jeff Saturday. Good luck. Absolutely. Yeah. And horse out of barn, is that like a Colts
3: Just like stay weird, 2022. I'm for it. See ya. Yeah. NFL Now is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
8: podcasts.
2: Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services.
12: This is the lunch rush at your local deli. Orders are flying in online, on the phone, and in person. Order for Nick. So is it possible that fast internet could help your business outrun the rush? It is with Comcast Business. Powering your connected devices with gig speed Wi-Fi and fast downloads and uploads. With Comcast Business, next level speed isn't just possible, it's happening. Comcast Business. Powering possibilities.
11: Requires gigabit internet and compatible router. Actual speeds vary.